Morning, everybody. Why don't you stand just for a moment? I want us to pray. Hey, you, uh, Kerry and Andy, you know, the pastors here, they're on holidays this week with their kids. And um, uh, so I thought it'd be good for us to pray for them. Really just pray for a freshing time. Kerry's done a great job and uh, uh, we're very grateful. And thank you to the faithful. Look at you all out in the cold. Pray, pray for the slackers in bed today. Pray for their souls. No, they, uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for Kerry and Andy. And, and uh, Lord, we just commit them to you. I just pray it'd be a really refreshing time for them. Uh, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we pray for the kids too. We thank you, Lord, for their lives. We thank you the, the way they... Lord, incredible young teens, Lord, all in with their parents. And, and if they're going to church somewhere today, I pray really... Uh, Lord, input into their lives. Pour out, Lord, from your spirit and your word in a profound way. Lord, not just in a general way, but in a unique, Lord, way, a timely way uh, into their hearts and lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, you can take a seat. And, and uh, it's good to be with you and uh, um, this week. And uh, Shine Conference is coming up. We didn't mention that. And uh, we have, I'm trying to remember who we've got speaking. I do know, um, Samways, I can't think of, um, Ketty, Ketty Samways, and uh, Ketty Samways, her husband sang, is well known to the church in Australia. Ketty is an absolute powerhouse, grew up in a pastor's household in South America. Uh, her dad was um, held at gunpoint multiple times for his faith. Uh, it's an extraordinary story, hers, of faith. She's a powerhouse of a preacher, and I think, uh, ladies, Shine Conference I think we gather about 30, 35 different churches from across our region and beyond, and it'll be a huge blessing to you. Uh, you'd have to check with uh, the guys here what dates that are, is, uh, and, um, uh, and I think there's a minimal um, conference fee to be there. If that's your only issue for not going, please let us know, because that is not a factor um, for us to consider. We want, we want you to be there if you want to be there, and uh, believing that it really is going to be a profound time. Hope you responded, even though it was on a screen last week to Marilyn. We're thinking about who we're bringing in here as well. And, um, and I'm not sure who's coming in the next few weeks because I don't feel like six hot Sundays because I'm here pretty regularly. All right, that's, a, that's that. Let's get into it. You can see an image on the screen. Oh, you've already got it. The other image, the origin image. And so I don't know who follows football and who doesn't. But um, I'm born in Queensland and raised in New South Wales. So, you know, state of origin. Um, it was a tension for me growing up. I had to make a call. Do I go with a team where I was born, origin, or really where I've grown up, New South Wales? And I decided that I would follow New South Wales as a little boy. And, of course, that has had sporting fan implications for me over the course of my lifetime. But... I don't really care in the sense that I just love good sport. I yell at the screen and do everything else and I've been in the stadium and in, in a moment like a last second win and literally the whole crowd's on their feet and I'm like, oh, this is what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. It's going to be this insane, you know, people hugging each other who don't know each other. It's weird, and, and, uh, but it's awesome. And, but my son, it's different. See, I made a decision to go for the blues and he inherited that. 
And he didn't really get to make a decision. In fact, when the kids were little and the girls said, Dad, you're a trader. You were born in Queensland. We're not sure who we're going to go for. And my son said the same thing. I went, oh, son, you don't understand. We come from five, four or five generations of going for the same team and you don't get a choice as a son in our household. <laughs> and so he's a good boy. He complied with that. But he's passionate. I don't care. He's super passionate. And because he was born in 2005 and the New South Wales won in 2005 and then lost for the next nine years. The longest loony, losing streak in history. And so my son, because of my choice, had the ripple effect of the first decade of his life being losing years. And so I want to talk to you about the power of decision making. We've been talking about standing firm when I'm here all year. I want to talk about the power of decisions today on making better decisions, fewer regrets, greater outcomes. And um, really this message came, I heard this message or the principles of it from Andy Stanley years ago and it actually really changed my life. Um, so I'm hoping it's going to be helpful to you today. You're going to see another image come on the screen and uh, I like this one. Look at that woman right there in the middle. Isn't she gorgeous? And yes, I did have strawberry blonde hair once upon a time. And so there we are, that's Bron and I on our wedding day, October 7th in the year 2000, and uh, our bridal party, and some pretty amazing people in that, that, uh, that uh, all of whom, except for one, I still have contact with today. Um, one has just travelled the world pretty well from that day to this. But the reason I wanted to show you this image is it struck me recently as I was thinking about things, is just how much the current realities of those people, 21, 22, 22 years ago, how much the current realities of all of those people have been shaped by their decisions, by the compound effect of little decisions and by the pivotal moments of big decision-making. In that group that you're looking at, we have someone who's pretty well travelled the world ever since, this lady here, and then I won't name any of the others because, for privacy reasons, but in that group of people that you're looking at, um, two of them ended up marrying each other Four of them ended up in divorce situations, including that two. Two of them are extremely wealthy business people who live on the water in Sydney. A couple of them became pastors, plus Brun and I. And if you combine them together, there's probably 20 or more churches directly represented um, in that. Bunch of people serving Jesus. Uh, there's, there's a whole lot of tragedy. There's a whole lot of... Um, change, there's a whole lot of prospering, there's a whole lot of blessing, there's a whole lot of pain. And I, because I know all those people pretty well, I can point to the decisions in their life that you went, oh yeah, that led to this. Of course it did, the Bible said it would. In the good, in the bad, in the ugly, in the messy, in the great, in the trajectories, in the outcomes, in the blessing, in the prospering, you can look at decisions and then this little girl, this gorgeous little girl here, is my niece who's ex as gorgeous as she was then today and her little family live just up the road from me about 10 minutes away and I hug her every chance I get even though she's a 25-year-old adult. The power of decisions. I can tell you that most of the stories of those people, when I put it down to what, uh, you can point it back to decision-making over long periods of time that have them where they are in their current reality, reality today. So, so as we think about that, there's little decisions, and from little decisions, big things grow, don't they? Yeah. That's what shocks me most about this image, because I know the little decisions. 
Two of them are my brothers. The guys immediately to my left and right are my brothers. And I know the little decisions that have become big things. And in the positive and in the negative, in the God and in the ungodly. And then there are just some decisions that are big and they're pivotal. And maybe you can point to those in, in your life. One pivotal decision is that exactly one year later to the week of this wedding day, Bron and I moved to Tamworth. And what a decision that's become for us. Driving through Tamworth, actually coming to Armidale 22 years ago on a five or six and a half hour road trip, driving through Tamworth, I thought I had this thought and thought it was God prompting me. Darren, you're coming here for a long time. And then a week later or two weeks, I can't remember now, I get a phone call. Hey, Darren, will you and Bronnie pray about moving to Tamworth? And so we were in, like what are the odds for us? And we always knew we were going to go, you know, be part of a church somewhere. And so there was this, what I would call a God prompting, if you've got a church background, and, and then this clarifying phone call, and we made a decision. And one week later, one week, one year later, we've packed up our few belongings that can fit into, almost into the boot of our car, and we're driving towards Tamworth uh, in what became one of the most important decisions we've ever made. And people's lives have been changed, and our lives have been shaped, and our kids' lives have been shaped. But thank God that they're country kids who have no idea what it's like to live in the centre of Sydney, though one does now. And, uh, but I thank God for that upbringing that they're in the middle of. And, and of course, church and churches, miraculous stories have been shaped. And we can point it all back to this moment where we made a pivotal decision that we couldn't have possibly fathomed the ripple effects of it to this moment in time that we made that day. And you and I, God's given us the power to make decisions each and every day, some of them pivotal to our lives and some of them little by little compound impacting decisions on our lives. And I think that's incredible. I mean, I don't know if I would have given myself that choice. Or maybe I would have given it to me, but I don't know that I would have given it to you. And you might not have given it to me. And God gives us all the power to make decisions. I think it's quite remarkable how to make Better decisions with fewer regrets and greater outcomes. Listen to this. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 to 20. I want to be practical with you in the moments that we have. Of course, you know, the prophetically given scripture of Deuteronomy 30, the Spirit of God speaking to his people via the prophet. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curse. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make the choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in, uh, in the land. And the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, in the land, the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Right? You've got choice between life and death today. You've got the choice that you get to make. And the Bible comes along, the Spirit of God comes along and says, hey, I choose life. And of course, we know that people chose life and some people chose curse or cursing. Now, of course, they didn't choose cursing, did they? They didn't go, I'm going with the curse. No one's going with the curse. But they made decisions that, of course, aligned themselves with the curse and nothing's really changed. Um, that, that image we showed before, I, I've watched um, God just bless in a way that is pu uh, truly miraculous, some of the people in that image, like truly miraculous. 
I, I can't explain, you know, what God's done without delivering you detail that I don't want to deliver. But it's miraculous what's gone on there. And yet I'm watching the same people who have seen incredible, miraculous blessing, like wealthier than probably any of us in the room, and certainly multiple times wealthier than me. Now in this stage of their life, having seen God do such extraordinary things, making decisions and choices that I know at some point in the future are going to bring their worlds crashing down. And we can predict that. We can predict the trajectory because of Scripture. Now, have they, have they gone, I want my life to crash? Of course not. But they've made short, they're making short-term decisions that are going to have massive implications for them. And, and, and so we get the power to choose, but it doesn't have to be that way, does it? And I understand that some of us are sitting here today, and of course, there are things that have gone on in your life, and you're the victim of a situation or of circumstance. If you had a travel business in the middle of a global pandemic you might have gone out of business and that would have nothing to do with you. That would have everything to do with the world we live in. There is time, there is chance, there is victim, there is circumstance. But the reality is, at least in my observation as I look at scripture, is that the general trajectory of a person's life ends up being the result of the decisions made. So how do we, how do we make them better as we sit here? Well, let me ask you this first. Do you have any regrets in any of the decision-making you've ever made? Any regrets? I do. Today I regret going for the blues. <laughs> Could have been so different. I was born there. I've got a justifiable reason. Not really. But there are things I regret. There are decisions I've made that if I could go back, I'd be like, oh. There are things I've definitely said to my wife that I'm like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? There are regrets. But there are other things that I've got right. You have too. If you go back, you'd make the same decision a thousand times over, right? You just go, yeah, I'll make that decision. And so here's a way I just want to give you this simple thing today as we look at this in making better decisions. This is what helps me um, ever since I heard it. It's to ask better questions that lead to better decisions. Just asking better questions to, and here's the key to it, to ask them to answer the, the, ask the questions I'm about to give you, to answer them honestly, and that's the key. And that's the challenge, isn't it? Have you ever not answered a question honestly? Like if you're married, your spouse says to you something, and you actually know they're right, you've crossed over the line. Bronnie and I have lots of debates. My wife's a smart woman. And we have lots of debates, and I've got a bad memory. I've lost so many discussions, but it's not a loss, it's a win, because now I understand. But I can tell you there, there are moments in the discussion, the crossover, where I know I'm a dead man walking, but I haven't let go yet. <laughs> I just haven't answered honestly yet, you know. But you get there, and the good news is, if you stay with it as you get older, you get there quicker. Um, but still, have you been there? And it's so powerful. In fact, I know that, you know, I told you some of the headlines in the stories. I can tell you that some of the people making bad decisions in some of the stories we just shared or headlined, is that they're not answering honestly. If I said to a couple of people who are making really bad decisions, like obviously bad as a follower of Jesus, they would say, yes, I'm serving God. And I can tell you, not in a judgmental way, just against every measure in Scripture, they are not serving God in any practical way. 
At best, they're practical atheists because they believe, but there's no life, there's no power, there's no follow-through. And so answering honestly becomes our great power, doesn't it? It's, it's like Bronnie said to me the other day, um, uh, there's data. And uh, when you combine our church, our church actually is healthy and, and it shows up on data across our denomination. And um, I said, but Bron, why don't we add this in, um, X here? I don't want to stand. Um, I'll tell you, I'll just be honest. It's Armadale, because Armadale sits separately because we've kept it as its own entity, as you know. And, uh, but if we add the data in, we look even better. And I said, Brian, why isn't that data included in our church? And Bronnie said to me, Darren, what that, what's that about? I went, ah, oh, that's about me. That was a really easy answer. It's like, yeah, that's not about anything to do with God, Jesus, his church, people, loving, getting the work of God done. That's just got to do with me and some of my peers and a data sheet. Oh, let's own that and let's never go there again. I'm embarrassed sharing it with you. But the honest answer helps me make a better decision, which was actually quite easy. And then act. A- ask, answer, act. And so here's the first question. Let's pray. The authority question. And, and here's the thing when we're making big decisions. What does the Bible say about that, right? It's pretty obvious. What does the Bible say? If you're a believer here today, what does the Bible say? Even if you're not, you'd do well to actually practice it. <laughs> um, what does the Bible say? Maybe we could say it a different way. I've put them on the screen there. What does your heavenly father think about it? Just to humanize it. What do you think your heavenly father feels about fill in the blank? What is that for you? What does he feel? And of course, I want to qualify that by saying he feels and thinks what he's revealed, already revealed in scripture. It's his revealed will. It's not for me to reinterpret. I, I got this friend who's like, yeah, I don't think God sees it that way, Darren. I'm like, it's funny how much God seems to align with the decisions you want to make. I think you've got a God that you carved out of your own image. You know, in the Old Testament where they get their wooden gods that they carve and then put on the shelf? That's kind of where people end up. Now, they don't carve the God out and put it on the shelf. They just carve God out who he is in their mind in contrary to Scripture so that they can make decisions they want to make. In fact, the Bible says that in the last days that people will raise up teachers for themselves who will um, teach them the things that they want to hear. And so the Bible comes along and says, no, no, there's a better way. There's the way that God calls us to, which is his word. And so what, do you, what, do you, what decision have you got right in front of you today that you go, what does the Bible have to say about it? What does God think about this? How does God feel about it as it relates to Scripture? Romans chapter 12, verse 2, very famous verse, but stay with me. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform your thinking into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And scripture is God's great advisor in our decision-making, isn't it? It's like, this is the way to live. And I can't think of a scripture I've followed that later on down the track I've regretted. Someone mentioned um, tithing before. Followed that since I was a Christian about three weeks. I've never regretted it. I think I did the next Monday after the first time I ever did it but I've never really regretted it since. And if you just become a Christian, there's a whole bunch of things that, like, for me, I drank, I took substances, and I gambled. I mean, God got my tithe back in about a heartbeat by just getting rid of some of those practices in my life. Scripture is God's advisor in our decision-making. It's a great predictor of a decision's impact, its ripple effect, 
its trajectory and its eternity. Uh, that's the power of scripture. And so, so your current decision-making, is it more shaped by culture or more informed by scripture? And let's go with God. Let's go God's way. It's always our best move in every big decision, in every little decision. If you've been around a while and you're listening to this message, you're going, I know this point, Darren. I know you know the point, but are you living the point? Like on the fringes. Because I reckon you got most of it right. But out in the fringes, those things which we've let set, settle or sit, settle, whatever. I'll give you an example. Uh, my dad hasn't been around since I was 17. I don't really understand that. It, it makes no sense to me. He sent me a 21st birthday card on my 22nd birthday. I reckon my kids, when their 21st birthday is coming, I'll have banked enough money that we'll be having party for weeks. I don't understand that. And if you said to me, did I have an issue with it, I would have said no. And then somewhere in my 40s, I found myself every time I saw a situation like mine, I'd start crying. And Bronnie, not me, said, there's something there, Darren. There's something you need to deal with. And I'm like, it's called answering honestly. I'm like, no, Bron, there's nothing. She's like, Darren, people don't cry at movies that you cry at because of the situation that's unfolding. There's something going on there. I'm like, Bron, there's nothing going on there. I love my dad. And then I had to stop and just answer honestly. Was I a Christian? Yeah. Was I a committed Christian? You bet. Am I living for Jesus? I am. But on the fringe of my life for 20 odd years, I just allowed something to live. And then God puts a, as he does in his good time, he puts, just puts a little highlight on it and makes me deal with it. And if you've been around a while, I'm sure there's that in your life somewhere going on and I just go, hey, where is it? Let's deal with it. Let's get on with it. Let's, let's never settle to have things on the fringes. Let's, let's not choose rebellion. Let's just always go with God. Go with God and then give it time. It's amazing. That's the thing that shocks me most, is if you give it enough time, it always shows up. On my, uh, again, I'm just using stories today. I know that when I was 21, the very first New Year's I became a Christian, I was on the train like I normally would be going to a New Year's party in Sydney, but this time I was going to a prayer meeting. And uh, that was very weird for me. Like amongst my friends, I was the party guy. When you watch a movie, the guy that wakes up in a lounge room in somewhere else and he doesn't know where he is, that was me, like every week. I was that guy. And so I'm going to the, I can go to the party or go to the prayer meeting. And I remember I got off the train and I went to the prayer meeting. It seemed such a little decision. But I remember thinking back the compound effect of little decisions like that over those first few years of a Christian faith, how it really started to set everything up and laid a foundation of decision-making that showed up much later in life. Hey, you can drag me out to a New Year's party that went all night and forced me to drink. Oh, good luck with that hangover. Psalm 119. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your word gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Turn to me and have mercy on me as you always do to those who love your name. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Lord, direct my footsteps according to your word. The psalmist goes on in the same psalm. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. Isn't that true over time? Are you amazed that some people just end up wise if they stay with it? I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, 
for I obey your precepts. Isn't that true? You saw the elders before. Isn't it true that I've got more understanding than all the elders in the room? Oh, than Charmaine, haven't I got more? No, I've not, I'm joking. <laughs> but I better just clarify for you that I'm not being serious. Your word, your word, God, is a lamp to my feet. It's a light on my path. I've got a new car at the moment and we put driving lights on it as good country people do. And so I've never, I'm driving the old car yesterday and it hasn't got driving lights. I can see, I feel like I can see from here to the wall. But you put those driving lights on and oh my gosh, you can see. And that's what the word of God is. It's like boom. You know that guy that's coming at you and you're like, turn your high beam off, buddy. That's the word of God in a human's life. It's like high beam light to my footstep and my way. Your word, what decisions have you got right in front of you? Fill in the blank and ask yourself, what does the Bible have to say? Ask it, answer it honestly, act on it. You'll be glad you did. That's number one. Number two, with the minutes that I've got left here, is the integrity question. And I touched on this at the start, and I'm being honest with myself, really. And I think this is a great question. Am I being honest with myself, really? I love the insight Proverbs gives here. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 to 3. Listen to this. To humans belong the plans of the heart. But from the Lord comes a proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them. Like not the bad ones. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. That's an interesting verse. All my ways at some level seem pure, but even when they seem pure and my conscience is clear, they are weighed by God to see the motive that's there. Now, that's not to make us heavy. That's there to make us wise. That's not there to condemn us. That's there to free us and to cause us to ask the things that we need to ask and seek the counsel we need to seek. And we can all think of someone, right, who just hasn't been honest with themselves in a decision, can you? You can, right? We all can. And we have seen the impact of that. But we can create a different story, a God-guided one, a God-blessed one, where we are being honest with myself. And, and, and I don't know if this is you. I, I'm sure it is. It's definitely me. If I think about the person who has most sabotaged my life over 51 years, there's only one name that stands out. It's mine. Like the next name is so far below there. Like Rhett. <laughs> Rhett's number two. <laughs> and he's so far below the, the, the person who's most sabotaged my life. But I'm also the person who most sets it up, most positions it for God appointed future. And you are too. And so deep down, we know, we know that at times we undermine, we slow down, we even put on hold God's best for us by our decision. But in the end, we decide. I decide for me, you decide for you. No one gets to take that power away from us. God has given it to us. So is there a decision you feel tension around right now at the moment? Is there any decision you've got to make that you feel tension around? Let me ask you this. Are you being honest with yourself about it? If you're young and you're a Christian, I don't want to offend anyone, but I do want to help you. If you're young and you're a Christian and your, your, your girlfriend or your boyfriend is not a Christian, you know, the Bible speaks really explicitly to it and says, don't go there. No matter how pretty she is or how smart he is or how good at whatever they are, the Bible says, don't go there, that's bad for you. Now, if you're in that situation, my mum lived in that situation. Um, it's not a condemnation. 
But right here, right now, where well, you've got the power of choice if you're free, and the Bible's really clear. But it takes me being honest with myself to come up with that decision when my heart's fully engaged. Am I being honest with myself? A hard attitude like unforgiveness with my dad, am I being honest with myself? Um, is there anything where, or anyone or something or someone where I should be pulling back from it, but I'm not? And I've just got to be honest with myself. Years ago, Bronnie said, hey, dads, I think you need to pull back from this relationship, uh, friendship. And um, I'm like, Bron, don't be silly. And she went, oh, I'm just telling you what I think. And a few weeks later, this, this old man, this prophet guy, he comes up to my car after a church service he was visiting and he says, um, hey, Darren, there's something I need to talk to you about. And he, I, he said, but I think it's private. I went, well, if it's private, you probably should do it in front of my wife. And he said, oh, I think there's a relationship you need to, you need to worry about. And he said, I don't think it's you, but I think you need to worry about it. And so now I have to be honest in that moment. I had to be honest with myself. I needed to create distance. There are some times where we're pulling back for whatever reason. We've been hurt, we're in pain, whatever, where actually we need to move in and push forward. And we're like, and this, again, I, I only know this because about you because this is also me. You, you hurt me, I just want to move on. I don't want to hate you. I know not to do that. I, don't want to do it. I just want to move on. I'm like, okay, we're done. Let's go. Life's short. My life's full. I'm on with it. And I know I can't do that. And you can't, is there anywhere where you've pulled back from someone or something? And the truth is, if I'm honest with myself, I need to step in. I need to draw closer. Now, just with God, post-COVID, post-lockdowns, is there anywhere where you're like, I just need to be honest with myself about where I'm up to and all of that kind of thing? I love this. As I wrap this up, Hebrews 4, verse 12 and 13. Again, God's word. For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thought. It judges the attitude of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who will give an account to. But isn't it true? His word just is able. I can't even give definitions that fully separate spirit and soul. I still get confused. And he says his word can separate even down to that level. And so just in our lives, have you got wise people around you? He asking, here's, as I close, here's what, it's good to pause and consider, isn't it? Am I being really honest with myself? It's good to pause and consider. It's good and pause to pause and commit to God, as Proverbs 16 says. And it's good to pause and commit to wise counsel. There'll be a lot of opinion on what we did with the flats out here. And um, I had a plan in my mind. And I remember walking into the meeting with pretty well that plan in my mind formed. And, um, and then someone in the room here, wiser than me, said, our dream was always that'd be open ground. And I tell you, every time I drive in here, every single time, I thank God for people wiser in the room for me, for them and go, how good does this look? How bad was this going to look if we'd done my plan? <laughs> Just the wisdom of counsel making better decisions. So, as we wrap today, just encourage you to be a person who, like me, wants to really live making better decisions with fewer regrets and greater outcomes in Jesus' name. Amen?
All right, amen.